Hey guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. Give two people a high five. Tell them they look good in church and you can be seated. If you're watching online, I just want to say thank you for doing that. It means the world to us that you would tune in and check out one of our services. But I did want to extend an invitation. If you're ever in Texas in the Bryan College Station area, why don't you come out to a New Heights Church service live? I promise you, me and everybody here will make you feel right at home in Jesus' name. All right, everybody say, get ready. Open your Bible to John chapter 20, Juan Bainte, the gospel according to John chapter number 20, verse number one. The scripture says, the first day of the week came Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark under the sepulcher under the tomb, and she saw the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then... She ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple. Somebody say other disciple. Came to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said unto them, they've taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher and we don't know where they have laid him. Now something very interesting is happening. Mary gets up before the sun's really up and she goes down to the tomb where they put Jesus and she sees the stone has been rolled away. She immediately turns around, runs back, finds Simon Peter and another guy who is called the other disciple. Now this is very interesting because the other disciple in this story, in this historical document is actually the apostle or the disciple named John who actually wrote this book, this part of the Bible. So it would be like me saying uh, uh, something like this. I happen to be uh, a pastor and I am the pastor whom Jesus loves. If you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus really loves you. Like you. He certainly loves us, but he individually loves you. What is it about Jesus that makes us all feel like we're the one that he loves. Jesus was followed by hundreds, preached to thousands upon thousands. Yet John, whenever he was recalling what took place on that very first Easter, he couldn't help but write, I'm the one that Jesus really loves. The scripture says that whenever they heard what had happened, Peter therefore went and the other disciple, John, went with him and came to the sepulcher and they both ran together. And the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the tomb. This sounds like my son wrote this. Let me give you just another picture. Jake, stand up for me. Y'all give Jake a big hand. He's our first touch director here. It would be like I was writing it like this. Me and Jake were running to the tomb and we were both running as fast as we could and I smoked him all the way there. (laughs) Have a seat, Jake. Thank you very much. So John says, I outran him to the tomb. And the Bible says that when he got there, he didn't go in. Verse five, he stooped down, looked in and saw linen clothes lying, but he did not go in. Verse six said, then comes Simon Peter. He's pointing out again that Simon Peter was outran by himself. He said, Simon Peter came and he went on into the tomb and he saw the linen clothes laying there. Verse seven. 
and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together or folded in a place by itself. I don't know about you. I've been to some really fancy restaurants. And if you've never been to a really fancy restaurant, usually they don't have paper napkins. Usually have a cloth napkin. And when you get there, you sit down. A lot of times they'll pull the seat out for you. You sit down and they'll tuck it up under you as you're sitting down. And then if, if you're not, if you don't know, it could surprise you. It might even be a little awkward. They're going to pick your napkin up and they're going to lay it in your lap. And you'll sit there and you'll eat. You'll have your salad. You'll have your, your appetizer. And, and at some point in the meal, maybe you need to get up. Maybe there's some soup that you want to go get some soup. Or maybe you need to use the restroom about halfway through the meal or whatever. And, and if you're done with what you are eating and you don't want to eat anymore, you just haphazardly put your napkin on your plate. And it's a sign that I'm not going to come back to this plate. But if you want to make sure they don't take your food... You take your napkin and you fold it and you just lay it over the back of the chair, which is to say to your waiter or waitress, don't touch my steak, Jack. (laughs) In other words, the folded napkin means I'll be back. The Bible says they found the, the linen clothes and then they found the napkin laid folded in a different spot. It's almost like Jesus was trying to make sure even in that moment to leave a sign and say, listen, you're not going to find me here, but I'll be back. The Bible says it was laid there separate from the other clothes that were there. And the scripture says that John then went in. And he saw and he believed, he believed also that Jesus had been taken. Verse 9 says, because they didn't know the scripture yet that he was going to rise from the dead. Verse 10, then the disciples went away into their own home. So Peter and John left after they saw the tomb was empty. They thought Jesus had been taken. Now, you have to understand a little bit of the context. Part of it was they had just murdered Jesus. They had just executed Jesus. The Roman soldiers were killing Christians. Uh, the religious people of the day were killing Christians. So John and Peter were probably a little bit worried. If the guys who killed Jesus, maybe those are the same guys who took Jesus' body, maybe they want to kill us. So as soon as they found the tomb empty, they went back to their own home. But the scripture says in, in verse number 11, but Mary stood. Somebody say stood. The first thing I want you to know today is that Jesus loves you individually and unconditionally. The second thing I want you to know, whether you've been saved. Matter of fact, let's just do a little poll. Who here is a Christian? Just wave at me. Two of you. Great. So if you've been saved for six months or 60 years, I just want you to know you're going to have to stand. The Bible says, having done everything to do, stand. You're going to have, somebody just say stand. You're going to have to stand. In your family, you're going to have to stand for some things. In in your family, you're going to, there may be some people that you know that do some things that you're not comfortable with and you're not throwing rocks at them. You're not, you're not saying they're less, you're not saying nothing. We're not judging, whatever. But sometimes you're going to have to stand by yourself when everybody else has left. The Bible says that John and Peter left, but Mary stood. Somebody say Mary. 
Mary stood, and I believe Mary stood there because she had come to the conclusion, this is where Jesus was, and if this is where he was, then why would I leave here? There comes a time in your life when you've got to get committed to knowing if God moved in a certain place or a certain way, sometimes the only thing you can do is find your way back to that water that was troubled and wait on the waters to be troubled again. Jesus loves you, but you're going to have to stand. There's going to be some stuff you're going to go through and you're going to have to stand. You're not going to understand it all and you're going to have to stand. You're not going to know why you got to go through it again, but you're going to have to stand. Somebody's going to take advantage of you and you're going to have to stand. You're going to watch somebody get promoted in front of you and you're going to have to stand. You're going to have to go through some stuff and decide you're not going back. This is Christianity. The scripture says that she stood there weeping and as she wept, she stooped and she looked into the sepulcher. Number one, Jesus loves you. Number two, you got to stand. Number three, listen to this. Look again. Look at your neighbor. Just tell him, look again. I know some stuff happened to you. I don't know what you're going through, but I know you are going through something. I know it seems like the same thing is going on today as what happened yesterday. And I'm just asking you to do it one more time. There was a guy in the Bible named Naaman and he had leprosy and he, he commanded a great army. And he found out that there was a man of God who could heal leprosy. And so he went to that man of God to be healed of leprosy. And he brought this great offering with all kind of gold and silver and fine linens and everything. And he gets up to the, to the, to the prophet's door and he's got there and he sits there and he's probably wearing a super awesome three piece suit. Thank you very much. And he's standing there at the door and, and he gets one of his servants. He goes, okay, knock on the door. And the servant reads up, tap, 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 knocks on the door and Naaman's standing there and he, and the guy opens the door and he says, he says, I'm here. I am Naaman. I command a great army and I am looking to be healed. Please send out the man of God. I have a massive offering that will probably pay his church off. And the servant goes, how big's the offering? He said, well, look. And he looks, oh my goodness gracious, look at all that. He goes, okay, I'll be right back. And he shuts the door and he goes back over and he says, hey, man of God, listen here. So, so this guy's here. He's got leprosy. I've seen you heal people. It's no problem for you. All you got to do is go heal this guy. And he's got this massive offering. And the man of God says, well, I'm not going out there. Gold and silver he brought. I'm not going out there. Why not? Because he is no respecter of persons. He will heal the prince and he will heal the pauper. Tell him this. Tell him go bathe in the river seven times. You want me to tell him to bathe? Yeah, bathe. You want me? Yeah, go. Okay. Goes back over to the door, opens it up, says, well, <laughs> whew, funny story. He's not coming out. Did you tell him about the gold? Oh, I told him. Did you tell him about the silver? Yeah. But I got good news. He, he said that you can be healed. Oh, great. Well, give me, give me the potion. Give me the special oil. Give me the prayer cloth that was tied to his neck. He said, no, it, it's not that. He said, you can be healed, but he also said you need a bath. <laughs> Excuse me? He said... 
You actually need seven baths. Go to the river and bathe seven times. He says, you'll be whole. Naaman says, I'm out of here. This is ridiculous. And he's walking back to the grand caravan and he looks at his servant. He says, can you believe he wouldn't even come out? Look at me, I'm Naaman. I command these great armies. He wouldn't even come out to say hello. And his servant said to him, he said, you know, be honest with you, Naaman, sir, um, if he'd have told you something difficult to do, you would have done it. Why don't you just try it? It's almost like he's saying, won't you look again? So he goes, fine. He goes and gets in the river. And as he's walking in, he goes, this water's not even clean. He said, sir, just do it. I'll count. He's like, okay. Splash, 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 one. Splash, 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 two. He goes, is that two? He goes, that's two. Keep going, sir. Splash, 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 three. I'm not doing it anymore. Sir, just keep going. And finally, he gets to number six. He goes, this is the stupidest thing. I still got the swords. Everything's exactly the same. He says, sir, if you'll just look one more, just, just one, just, just one more time, just in faith. The man of God said it would happen. Just one more time. He says, fine. Splash, splash, splash. And when he looked again, all his sores were gone. Sometimes it's not the grand things that we do. It's doing that one thing again in faith. Mary was weeping and the Bible says she was willing to look again. Everybody else had left. Don't get me started about your prodigal sons and daughters that everybody said is never coming home. I'm asking you to look again. I'm asking you to be like the prodigal son's daddy and stare down the road preparing the fatted calf because you have raised them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And when they get old, they won't depart from it. I'm asking you, can you ignore what you have seen and experienced and look again? The Bible says she looked again and she looked down and she saw two angels. Verse 12 says she saw two angels. Somebody say angel. Two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet where Jesus' body had been laying. Verse 13, they said unto her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said unto them, because they have taken away my Lord and I don't know where they have put him. Now I read it kind of fast so you could miss it. But the woman looked in a grave and there were two angels sitting there. And she didn't pass out. If two angels walked in your house and started talking to you, you would freak out. Most people in the Bible did. Even Mary, Jesus' mom. Whenever the angel came and spoke to her, she was terrified. Oh, every time an angel shows up, people are shaken. But Mary's not even moved by it. Mary's just, just talking to them like you're talking to somebody on the street. I'm like, how do you, how do you just talk to, they weren't there. Peter and John didn't tell you, oh, BT dub, there's two angels in there. They didn't say anything about that. She looks in and here's these two angels and she literally just talks to them. And I said, Lord, what is this? How in the world? See, here's what it was. The Bible says Mary Magdalene was delivered of seven different devils, seven different demons. In other words, she had been experiencing the supernatural her entire life. So the supernatural didn't wig her out one way or the other because she had spent some time with the one who created the supernatural. Come on, somebody give God a big hand of praise. If you're going to look again. 
So she says, I, I don't know where they have laid him. And the Bible says that after she said this, she turned around. And when she turned around, she saw Jesus, but she didn't know it was him. You know, if we want to be religious, we can go, I can't believe she didn't know it was Jesus. But if we want to be real, we can look at our own life and see how much God has been sowing and knitting his way into your life. And you didn't recognize him until after the moment passed. When you remember that one person that you worked for right out of high school that could have led you astray, but instead they prayed for you and you look back and you say, wow, God was really doing something. You know, the Bible says Moses wanted to see God and God said, you can't really be close to me. He said, you'll be consumed. He said, but I'll place you in the cleft. I'll place you in the crevice of a rock and I'll put my hand over you. And when I pass by, you'll be able to see my hinder parts. So you'll be able to see my train. You'll be able to see where I have been. In other words, this is the key. You can hide. You can be rescued, ransomed, placed on the inside of Jesus Christ, the rock of our salvation. But you don't always see God coming. But with 2020 vision, you can see where he's been in your life. See, she turned around and she didn't recognize that it was Jesus. And the, the and Jesus said to her, he said, why are you crying? And she said to him, thinking that he was the gardener, sir, if you have borne him hence, if you've taken him, please tell me where you've laid him and I'll take him away. And Jesus said unto her, Mary. And she turned herself and she said unto him, Rabbi or master. See, I've heard it said my whole life. People talk like this. I've probably said it when I found Jesus. But I wonder if it would be more accurate to say it like this. When I was quiet enough to hear him say my name. See, it wasn't seeing him that caused her to believe. She didn't even recognize him. Did you know the Bible says a lot of times we entertain angels? That'll make you stop flipping people off in traffic. Was that Gabriel? She said, Master. And then something real different happened. Jesus said unto her, don't touch me though. I haven't ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend to my father and your father. He's talking to Mary. He just called God her father. I ascend to my God and I ascend to your God. Mary had never heard Jesus talk like that. She had been around Jesus in the season and the time of his life where he was saying, no, 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 let the little children come to me. She was around Jesus at a time where he would set one in his lap and he would say, you have to be converted just like this child. To even make it into the kingdom of heaven. She was, she, she was familiar with the Jesus that walked through the crowd. And people were touching and pressing all over him. And he stopped and said, somebody touched me. And power just came out of me. She was not familiar with the Jesus that said, don't touch me. And the reason is, is because something was happening. The greatest event in history was taking place. The Bible says that he had not ascended to his father yet. In other words, he had not made that delivery yet. He had not delivered that sinless, spotless blood to pour it onto the mercy seat so that you and me could freely walk into the presence of God Almighty. He was on his way. He was, he was in transition. He had not ascended yet. And, the, and just the same way, if you take something that is clean and you touch something that's dirty, the dirty thing doesn't become clean. The clean thing becomes dirty. 
So Jesus was saying, don't touch me right now because I can't be stained right now. I've got to go up there and deliver this blood. He, he said, he said, but make sure and tell everybody that I'm going to see my dad, your dad, your God and my God. I'm going up there to deliver it. In other words, it was like an interruption of something very important all because Jesus was moved. And Mary's life was stamped. Like a time stamp, an interruption of time. Your life and my life is that way. We have these segments of our life where, where you were a certain thing and now you're a different thing. So you used to be a kid and you can remember stuff as a kid and then you used to still live at home but you didn't consider yourself a kid and you remember things then. And then you went to high school or college or you started work and you remember all these different segments and you remember the segment before you had kids. You remember the segment before you were married. You remember all these different segments and it's like it, it, it stamps in time and there's events that happen in your life that can take, there are smells and sounds that can take you right back to a place. Stamp. There are things that can take each one of us back. I remember I was four or five years old and I was at Trinity Episcopal School and they took us into what they called the parish hall and they told us all to sit down and, and all of a sudden the teacher walked in with the greatest thing in the history of elementary school, the TV cart. <laughs> and for all of you under 30, TVs used to be on a cart because they haven't always hung on a wall. <laughs> they were as deep as they are wide back then. And they rolled it in and they said it and all us kids are like, yes, we didn't know what we were going to watch. We didn't care what we were going to watch. We just knew we weren't going to be doing math. You know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all got more excited about that than you should have. You got a cold, I said math and some of y'all broke into a cold sweat. You're like, oh my God, is there a test? They roll the TV card out. One of the teachers goes over and plugs it in. And this TV, it, it, it wasn't like nowadays with the remote control. This one had the, the dial that you had to adjust. And it only had like 12 stations. We didn't call them channels back then. What station you wanted on, Mildred? Click, 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 click. And even had that one station that looked like an asterisk that nobody knows what it was really for. And so they put it on the right station. And then they grabbed these two things on top of the TV and they started to direct them. Do y'all remember what those were called? Happy Easter. <laughs> so they got them just right. And all of a sudden the signal came in and, and all us kids are watching and we see a picture of a space shuttle. And then they start showing all these pictures of this lady who's a teacher that's going in the space shuttle. I'm just a kid, four or five years old. And, and they, they do the countdown. They get down to 10, 9, 8. And we see it take off. We have liftoff. And all those kids are watching it. We're going, oh, look at that. They're going into space. And then all of a sudden, they were all killed. The thing blew to pieces. It was called the Challenger. Do you remember where you were? Stamp. It's like an interruption of time. Another one, I was in college and I had an early morning class. So I went to my class and I was headed back to our apartment and I turned the radio on in my truck. And as I was headed back, I heard that the World Trade Center was on fire. They were even speculating that somebody said they'd seen a plane. I was like, oh, that's wild. You know, I've been to, I've been to New York. I'd seen the World Trade Center. I'd, I'd walked up to it and looked up. I was thinking, wow, what a day. And then, and then I got, I got to the apartment. I turned the TV on the news and really any channel was showing it, but, but, but two, three minutes after I turned it on, I saw that other plane come in. 3,000 plus people gone. I woke up, my roommates, 
I remember being so angry. I said, we're under attack. You need to get up. I didn't know what to do. It was all real time. We didn't, at that time, the, even the news was saying, we don't know if there's more. Could have been every city. I said, I don't know what it means, but I know we need to be up. We need to be up right now. Something is happening. Do you remember where you were? Stamp. An interruption of time. Oh, it's not all bad. It's not all negative. It stamps our life. I remember when, when I was about 18 or 19 years old, the Lord gave me a picture of my wife in my head or my spirit somewhere. I saw my wife. I even, out of my mouth, said where she lived. And I remember thinking, man, I can't wait to meet her. That's going to be wonderful. And, and about a month and a half after that happened, I'm down at my uncle's. And we had just come out of a church service. My uncle's a, a, a very prominent pastor. And we're talking. And, you know, he, he's a pastor. So we're having this conversation walking into his house. You know, like Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know, like pastors talk. And we walk in, and, and, and all of a sudden, I see the girl in the picture in my head sitting on his kitchen counter with her legs just swinging. You know how girls do sometimes, just, just sitting there. And I immediately did, guys, I did exactly what you're supposed to do. I hit her with the wall. Hey. Started talking loud. Yeah, uncle. So you got a weight room here or what? Because I got to work out like four or five times a day. You know what I'm talking about? And I'm side-eyeing to see if she's looking at me. She's totally ignoring me. So I got to turn it up a notch. I say, hey, babe. So I was reading the Bible today working my way through numbers and I realized I was missing one. She got up. She's standing right here. I'm just circling her. She said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to walk around you seven times. See if you'll fall for me. You're not helping Look here. I saw her stamp. My life before her was wonderful. My life after her, fireworks every day. See, your life. Let's all do that again. One, two, three. We're going to cut that and make sure and send that to her. Matthias. Pastor Matthew. It's like an interruption of time. Aren't you glad you serve a God who will interrupt time for you? He said, don't touch me. I haven't ascended. I don't know if it happened this way. But what if he was headed towards heaven? Maybe in a chariot of fire. We know there are chariots of fire. Maybe Gabriel's driving it. All those horses just running through the sky on their way 
And Gabriel's like, Jesus, man, we missed you. Heaven is not the same without you. I hated watching you be crucified. I'm so glad you defeated death, hell, and the grave. Now all these people that have been uh, uh, in captivity have been set free. We are so excited to have you up there. And Jesus goes, hush. Gabriel says, hush? Like, I'm a messenger. I talk. <laughs> and Jesus said, no, 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 no. Stop, stop, stop. Pull it over. Pull it, pull it. Pull. Jesus, where do we pull a chariot of fire over? He said, don't you hear? I hear Mary weeping. Jesus, you got to go. You got to go put that blood on that mercy seat. He said, we'll take care of that. Take me back. Take you back. I don't get it. He said, I'm going to wipe away every tear from her eye. He stops what he's doing. Comes back in the middle of her situation. And because she was willing to stand and look again, all of a sudden she turns around. She doesn't recognize him. But when he says her name, Mary, Tom, Anthony, Cam, Lupe, See, something happens when you hear him say your name. Maybe you're here today and your heart's beating just a little faster than normal. That's him standing at the door of your heart knocking. The Bible says he won't kick it in. But if you will open the door, he will come in. He'll give you a new life. Not just here, but you'll spend eternity with him and everyone that knows him. I want to finish my race here, but I've got a lot of people in heaven. A friend of mine went this past week. I'm excited to see him again. If you're here and you've never opened the door to your heart, you came to the right church today. Because we're going to give you the opportunity to do that. Maybe you would say it differently. You would say, you know what, preacher? I used to walk strong with God. I'm like Peter. I walked with him. Yet for whatever reason, I've denied him. I have turned away from what I know I should have done or should be doing. And he has fallen off of my priority list. To a, to a level or a place that I'm not proud of. The Bible would call that backslidden. Did you know if that was you and you'd backslidden out into the wilderness, he would leave all the 99 Christians to go find you? That's why you're here. You're not here by accident. It's not happenstance that you showed up at New Heights Church on Easter Sunday. It's because he wants you to hear him say your name. Let's do this. For the sake of privacy, let's all bow our head and close our eyes. I'm going to ask you the most important question in the history 
of history. Where do you stand with God? You can't tell him, well, I did some pretty good stuff. It's rags, filthy rags compared to what heaven demands. The Bible says everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. If you are alive, you have sinned. And the price that you owe is death. You only have two options. Option one, you got to pay your debt. Well, maybe not today, but nobody knows the day nor the hour when their soul will be required. The other greater option is to have it paid on your behalf. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. He has paid your price. He stands at the door of your heart and knocks, calling you by name. Won't you give him your life today? Won't you accept that beautiful payment for your sin? I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, follow us on social media. That is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.